Hey, this is a Hakawadi production. My guest today is a Jordanian fashion designer who's known in the Middle East for shattering stereotypes. She incorporates Middle Eastern elements in her collections, but elevates them using impeccable tailoring and very modern silhouettes. In a region where modest is the status quo, she's really pushing the envelope with her designs and her fearless approach to fashion. She's a Fashion Trust Arabia 2020 ready-to-wear finalist, and she's museum collected. Please welcome to the show, Nafsika Skorti. Hi, Nafsika. Hi, Nadia. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Greek name, right? Uh, Yes, my father is Greek. Uh, My mother is Palestinian. And you're based in Jordan. Yeah. So... When I look at your pieces today, you know, I've been looking at your pieces from a few years ago, um, the evolution. Uh, What I see today is something bordering on couture. Um, I love what you're doing with the sleeves, like on the tuxedo dress, for example, which I would love to wear one day. So obviously, Jordan is a place where you run your label with your sister, Stephanie, who used to work for Goldman Sachs. Um, But Jordan is a country where women are really stylish, but let's be honest, they're usually covered down to their ankles and up to their wrists and neck. Um, your your t-shirts and sweatshirt prints are, you know, obviously shocking probably to, to them, but even your designs are pretty sexy and revealing. You do a lot of little dresses, you do these corset tops and, and bustiers. What do you think about this whole issue of modest versus revealing as as a designer, and as just a human being in, in the big picture of things? I think the most important thing is to is that we represent the Middle Eastern woman in a three-dimensional way. I think many times, you know, you think Middle East and you immediately just think about what you just said, you know, covered head to toe and the end. Uh, but I, I do think that there is you know, the this, uh, the sexy Middle Eastern woman does exist. And actually, I think Middle Eastern women are genuinely more glamorous. And, you know, I think they peacock, you know, there's there is this thing where you like go into like this big event and it's like, hey, me and hi, oh, what's she wearing? And oh, been to me and, and, you know, like there is this kind of, I want to say pageant culture sometimes. Um, I think that's interesting. For me, I guess I've never equated, um, I mean, personally, I I always found that being yourself is the strongest thing you could ever be. You know, if you've got it, flaunt it. And uh, I think feeling sexy and looking sexy is is such a feminine energy that is sometimes trampled on here. At the beginning of the talk, you you, you mentioned something about like, uh, you know, how our stuff is getting quite couture. And actually, like, you know, your, the jackets and uh, the bustier tops, that kind of started with me trying to find the middle ground for, like, our lineups where um, I didn't want to uh, alienate, like, the Western woman who doesn't have these Oscar nights weekly. And I also wanted to offer something to the Middle Eastern woman, but I also didn't want to fall into the trap of, going into evening wear and uh, couture dresses because, you know, that's the default here. Um, And so I was like, okay, why don't we just break it up and make it like these versatile tops that that can swing both ways. And that's kind of how it started. 
Well, I think it certainly fits with the current zeitgeist of, of you know, a ca more casual lifestyle, fewer big events anyways. So probably a good, a good direction to go in. But you also made quite a statement with another collection that included um, jackets uh, printed with images of Petra, which, of course, the ancient site in Jordan, uh, the Parthenon in Greece and the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, which ended up being acquired by the Victoria and Albert Museum in London in April 2019, which is a pretty huge deal. Um, they acquired it as part of their Middle East and North Africa collection. But Why do you think that they wanted to add it to their collection? Is it because the three places are there? Is it because, I mean, one of the thoughts that went through my head is, is it because um, the Dome of the Rock, for example, is something that's also very relevant in the current conversation? Who does it belong to? Is it going to be, an, you know, a story in history? What, what's, what did they tell you? Um, I think it was sort of, you know, maybe it's because we set out to take these landmarks that are, you know, thousands and thousands of years old that we still consider the face of each of these countries. And I found that interesting, like, oh, how come Petra is still the face of Jordan? It's so damn old. Same with Parthenon, same with, you know, Dome of the Rock, like it's super old. Um, and I was like, okay, how can we represent these super old sites Uh, in a really, really contemporary way. And for me, the most contemporary fabric of our time is denim. So it's like, how can we mix those two together? And I was like, okay, but I'm not going to just print them. Like, let's actually turn them into jacquards. Um, I think the the the, the V&A acquired the, the Jerusalem jacket the, with the Dome of the Rock. I think because, I, I don't know if you guys have been to Palestine, but it's, especially Jerusalem, The, the analogy I always say to describe is like, you know, when you, so you're going for dinner with a couple and uh, you're 10 minutes late. As soon as you walk in, you can tell that they were just fighting and they're like, oh, hi. And you feel there's tension, but, you know, they're just pretending everything's okay. That's Jerusalem. There's so much tension. Like, I think it's just a space, a place that's been fought over for millennia. And uh, maybe that's why it's interesting. Um, it's just really politically sensitive. Right. And obviously those three places represent your uh, identity and background. And um, yeah, it's funny. And my identity crisis, <laughs> as you... we all have one, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that way? Do you, do you feel like you don't really belong in any way? Which, which of those identities do you identify with the most? I think this is classic um, all of us. No? You know, like I think... This is something where when I speak to like, if an American friend of mine, like she's like you, like, you ask her like, oh, where are you from? She's American. She watches American TV and she speaks English with an American accent and she thinks in English and her everything she does in terms of her life, like the way she gets married and like the way she dates and the way everything is in line with her culture. Whereas with us, it's so convoluted. We've got... You know, on one hand, you've got like your teta, who's like, Habibti, like, what do you think? And the food and whatever. But on the other hand, you know, you're watching, you're, we're consuming a lot of American TV or international TV, I guess, Netflix. Um, and I feel it's tough. It's tough because for me, Amman is home. But the irony is, is that I don't, me and my sister, we don't even have the Jordanian passport. Uh, and actually, our mo mother is Palestinian uh, and our dad's Greek. 
and I think in English. So I really don't know what to tell you. Like where, and I, I and I believe that what I'm feeling is not just me. I, I think there's a, a whole generation of us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. A lot of us, I, I feel that way sometimes too. Um, but I do have a passport. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. That's crazy. Uh, it's one of the problems that I think that are left over from, uh, you know, the Palestinians uh, fleeing their country yes. and, and landing in countries that are not ready to absorb them. But um, let me ask you just a very broad question. How do you think about fashion? What is fashion to you? Fashion? So fashion, fashion is the energy of really like feeling yourself and really feeling like you're into what you're wearing like it's you feel it and there's a swag to it like pure 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 fashion it's there's a bit of peacocking it's it's that vibe I hate it when women come to the studio and they're like oh no I can't wear that like doesn't suit me and oh no I'm too I'm too fat or I'm too this or I'm too that and I keep you know I feel like I have this argument with people in my head a lot where I'm like, actually, she's wrong because I can think of, you know, if I think of a lot of fashion people I know and by fashion person, that's somebody who like, oh, I love it. I'm going to wear it. And she, and they walk in and they're wearing it, you know, like they're, they're into what they're wearing and they're in, they come in, you know, I know older women who have fashion. I know bigger women who are fashion and it's so not tied to size. And I, I find that actually women have a lot of They, they, we put a lot of mental blocks on why we can't wear something. Um, and when you have a mental block, it just kills the fashion, right? Like you're, cause you're just, you're overthinking it. You're, you're not free. You're not in love, you know, and you have to really love it. So, yeah, I think that's what fashion is to me. I mean, this is me answering the question of what is fashion, right? There's obviously a bigger question of like, what are clothes and what, what is what is the industry? And, you know, that's, that's a big question, but specifically fashion for me, that's what it is. Well, the industry is another good question. And a lot of people are asking that question now, um, as we rethink the way we do things and think about all the waste that's happening. Is that something you think about as a, as a designer selling clothes? Oh, yes. I do think a lot about it a lot. We actually been talking about this a lot this week. So I feel, I mean, obviously you know, we're making things and there's been a lot of, I find that there's a lot of greenwashing going around where it's like, oh, this is sustainable. Like I can't, I don't even know what sustainable means anymore. It's like, what does that mean? It's overused that it's becoming more and more meaningless. And I feel like the consumer is losing trust or will lose trust because all of a sudden this year, I can't, you know, you can't scroll through a single Instagram fashion brand without seeing slow fashion or sustainable or green or conscious or and it just makes you wonder like who is tracking this stuff like how do you know what's actually going on I don't want to get into this whole speech but I just think it's um you know I like a few things like I'm very passionate about it and a few things also tick me off where I feel like we have to be more critical thinkers and we have to think okay So in the States, sustainability means kind of like no plastic, you know, re-wearing your clothes, which applies to us in the Middle East. But for me, if I really think about where I am, I'm still living in a place where people throw things out the window. Like we still litter, like we're still there, you know. And I'm also living in a place where the refugee crisis is so close to me. I'm also living in a place where unemployment is painfully high. 
I'm living in a place where uh, the economy is depressed, you know? So for me, my take on quote unquote sustainability is how are we as a business striving to make our success and our production and our, you know, our business, how can we make it do good? Uh, and for me, that goes back to the human economy and human and investing in teaching people, not just giving them fish, but teaching them how to fish. Yeah. So I don't feel like the American or Western view of sustainability applies to the Middle East. Because also, if you think about it, in the Middle East already, all brands are already pretty small. Like we're already operating in batch production. We're not like these huge machines that are like just, you know, uh, a lot of us by default are made to order. Uh, you know, the two biggest people are, you, you are like, okay, Elisab and Zura Murad, and they create all their ready-to-wear is made in Italy. Italy is a great place to produce, you know, every like it, it's by def like they have lunch breaks, you know, everybody has like, they have better living conditions than I do, you know? Um, so <laughs> I just feel like we need to think more about what does sustainability mean to the Middle Eastern fashion ecosystem? Yeah, you make a great point. Um, it's true. It's a totally different model. And I know that you employ um, women, many of them who are Palestinian refugees. Does that pose challenges, though, as a business to not have access to kind of a professional or trained force? Like, is it is it a challenge? Is it an opportunity? Oh, I mean, we have the world is flat now. If I want to produce in India, I can produce in India. It's a DHL away, you know. But what we do instead is obviously we have some items that are produced in India. I'm not going to sit and tell you that everything embroidered is done here. However, what we do is it's like a design strategy where I think, okay, what is it that the women that we, like our community of women know how to do? What is it that they know how to do? And how can I engage them in this collection? What is the story? What is the technique we're going to do? And every season we sort of build on the techniques that they know how to do. It's sometimes about like a simple skill that like, or a technique that just takes a lot of time, but which means I can engage more of them, not just like the very good ones. Or what we do is we'll do the sample in like one of the best embroidery houses in India, get it back here and sort of just being like, look guys, so this is how they've done it. Like this is, this is the quality we're aiming for. And they just, and they work at it, but it's important to have this outside um, window, which they don't have the luxury of, you know, I'm in a lucky place where I have one foot here and I have one foot, I say on the internet where I, I, I can access global people and I have a global market as well. So my job is to take global ideas, produce them locally, and then sell them to a global economy. That for me is my personal way of, like that's kind of just how we found is the best way to do good. Obviously, we look. We're going to look into uh, recycled polyester and all of that. But that's. Uh, I find that to be. It should be the default. And also, you have to go into that really educated. So I'm not going to like make any claims that you know our fabrics are all sustainable until I've personally asked every mill what does recycled polyester mean. Yeah. Well, you make that's true. We we don't really know. We we hear those claims. We don't a know. Lot. Yeah. Like when somebody's like organic cotton, like, can you tell me what that means? Like, what does that mean? Well, technically, I guess they're not using pesticides. That's the main thing. 
I mean, an organic soil, the organic usually certified has pretty strict standards. But again, you never know where things really come from. It's hard to sort of check exactly. the sources. We yeah. don't know. Yeah, we don't really know. And recycled polyester. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, bottles. Like where do they get it from? <laughs> right. I wonder sometimes where my recycling goes. I'm really tempted to go like follow the truck and see the, the like what they're doing with it. <laughs> But um Oh my gosh. <laughs> so when you think of other brands that exist in the world that are not based in Europe or the US, are there any that you use as models for your brand in terms of your goals for your brand of expanding and growing? I can't think of any now, but I do think that there are like the you know, this whole thing where you can only be based in New York or Paris or London is kind of, um, it's kind of going away, but I kind of yo-yo between that because there's a reason why it's all these designers are based there. Like when you have a big ecosystem, it's extremely easy to operate and uh, create amazing product and build a brand. Uh, versus us where I literally feel like we're in the desert. However, you do have access to, I mean, you produce something very unique that, and with talent that doesn't exist in those places and, um, you know, an aesthetic that doesn't, ex that maybe you wouldn't be as connected to. So I think this is what creates your brand identity as well. But but that's, what's what's so funny? I was going to say, you sound like my husband or sometimes I'm like, I'm like, what are we doing here? It's so hard. I have to import everything. Like nobody knows how to do anything. It's so difficult. Like if I was in London, it'd be so much easier. And he's like, no, but why like this? Like it's good and stuff. Because, you know, you do hit a wall sometimes. What's your biggest market? Who do you sell the most to? You know, when we first started off, we had, you know, you get like a lot of advice. And one very wise man was like, focus on one region, own it, and then move on. So we were like, okay, we're going to do the region that we have access to, which is the Middle East, and then we're going to move on. Right now, our biggest markets are Dubai, London, Kuwait, uh, and online U the US. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm sure they love your stuff. When, let me just ask you this last question because it seems like you have a lot of thoughts on modesty and the way that women should express themselves. Do you see things changing? Like when you look at Saudi Arabia, um, where they're reversing, you know, old laws that prevented women from doing regular stuff. When you look at the UAE, where they have the highest number of ministers, I think, women ministers in their government, but still they have laws that are not equal to both genders when it comes to social things, especially. Do you think it's changing? Do you feel in, in Jordan that it's changing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I almost feel like Jordan's gotten more conservative over the years. And I feel like the gap is just getting bigger. And it's not like Beirut where, like, every time I go to Beirut, I'm like, wow, you can, like, walk and not feel like an alien. You know, here, I don't feel so comfortable to walk in the streets. And unless I'm, like, wearing an extra large T-shirt. And, and I'm just so aware that I'm stiff. Like, I'm walking and I'm stiff, you know? Like my, my, my energy is like super closed. It's incredible to think because, you know, in, in the West, they're so far ahead. I mean, the, the, the rules that they've put in place in the workplace and, and 
the way people talk about these things is just like light years away. And I don't think people realize how day-to-day -day life is in countries um, like Jordan, where where you feel uncomfortable as a woman walking down the street. And it's uh, it's interesting when you paint that picture to imagine that you're creating your brand in this context and how you're able to uh, kind of retreat into your own universe and, and ignore this outside world uh, in, in a way. Um, Oh my God, when you put it that way, it sounds so sad. <laughs> no, it's not sad. I mean, it's it's beautiful. You know? It's great. And uh, it is sad. It is sad, though, to see these countries um, being left behind for all kinds of reasons that we don't need to get into. But it's sad to see that. And, and of course, uh, more often than not, um, well, everyone pays the price, not just women, but everyone pays the price. Anything, any projects coming up you want to share with us? Any projects? I mean, like on the subject of sustainability, I, me and my sister have been thinking long and hard about how we're going to do this in a, in a meaningful way. So we're kind of doing an official rollout of like telling people what we've been doing all these years and how we want to keep doing it more. And I think I've just, I've done a lot of brand soul searching, thinking about what, what do I really want to be like, who are we and just perfecting product and figuring out the systems and just a lot of housekeeping in the back due diligence it sounds it sounds good oh it's so good it's so <laughs> good to be like right like okay sales are down but that's fine because i finally get to do xyz abcdefg you know definitely always always look at the bright side nafsika skorti thank you so much for being with us today i love your work um i really love those uh, pinstriped naughty trousers by the way those are really cool <laughs> i should get a pair um but best of luck with with your future plans and um with everything that you're doing thank you for having me bye 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 That's it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed your time with us today. If you did, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave a comment on your way out. Lots of love. See you next time.